Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and to talk about books. And today, uh, we are going to be kind of in the holiday spirit. We're going to be talking about winter romances. And shockingly, this was not my suggestion for a topic. (laughs) (laughs) That seems to be a theme where I pick the things that are not my my jam yeah and i don't know why that is i don't know if it's because i'm so afraid of just dominating the podcast with gothic and mysteries and stuff that i I try purposely to think of things that are not what i gravitate toward but i also to be fair love a hallmark right. christmas right. movie yeah. so i think that that's what i was thinking where i i thought this would be this they're so popular right mm-hmm. now they're they're like mainstream popular Mm -hmm. where everyone is obsessed with them and it just seemed like this is the mood i'm i'm in every christmas Mm -hmm. so (laughs) yeah and i didn't think you would be a adverse oh no i was not opposed to it at all but it was funny because you suggested it and you're like well i guess i have to read some now (laughs) yeah (laughs) i have none to pick from (laughs) so it was not great planning on my part if I wanted to simplify my life, but they're they're fast reads, so it was kind of funny. So yeah, so I think that as it turns out, I think I'm talking about three. Well, no, one of them sort of only sort of about Christmas, but like a holiday romance is a, a specific thing. Like there are a lot of romances that come out in about October each year that have some part of their storyline that have to do with Christmas. But that's not what we were talking about today. We're just doing winter set romances. And if they happen to be at Christmas, they happen to be at Christmas, right? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that some of mine are probably just full on Christmas romances, but I figured that that was a subset of of winter. Yeah, same thing. Um, Yeah. yeah. But there are, um, I didn't end up talking about it, but there was one series that I read that I was going to talk about that they all take place in Colorado, I think. I think it's Colorado, somewhere out west. You're you're so east coast. You say you say Colorado. How do you say Colorado? I say Colorado. Oh, with a, a rad. A rad. Uh, yes, Colorado. Um, anyway, but so <laughs> and there's a lot. It takes place in the mountains, so there's lots of snowy kind of scenes and stuff. But then yeah, yeah. I was. I couldn't, it's been a little while since I've read them. Anyway, so I couldn't remember if all of them took place or just some of them took place in the snowy season. And because I feel like at least one took place in the summer because they talk about like hiking and stuff. So anyway, so I stayed right away from those. But there is something about just some a romance set in the winter. It's just so cozy and everybody's kind of like right in front of warm, crackling fires and things like that. And then, yes, there's something about those Hallmark Christmas movies that I just love so much. They're so heartwarming and they're so predictable, but I just love them. They make me so happy. I love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday. I think I debate between Thanksgiving and Christmas, but I just love Christmas. Oh, interesting. I love I love Christmas so much. I love the all the decorating for Christmas and yeah. I love to think of presents for people. So I just I do like Christmas quite a lot. So there's something about reading or watching a movie that has a story about Christmas that I just love. Right. And I, for as much as I love Halloween year round, when it's Christmas, I'm, I'm 100% into Christmas Mm -hmm. and I love everything surrounding it and every, all the, all the, um, uh, traditions, but also like the hubbub around it. I, I just, I love all of it. And so it's, it's not, I, I have other friends who are 
super into Halloween who get to Christmas and they're kind of depressed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like that at all. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, it's another fun thing to do. Yeah. And, and I don't like try to turn it into dark Christmas or anything <laughs> like that. It's just I, I'm a total sucker for, for Hallmark things, mm-hmm. too. But for me, I don't find them heartwarming. I find them cozy. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm there totally for the setting and for the kind of artificial nostalgia yeah. I guess that that is exactly the reason I read cozy mysteries too so it, it really fits into what I'm um, already kind of searching for right. all the time so yeah so it, it's they're great they're the reason I have a cable um, or I keep my cable account almost exclusively <laughs> so <laughs> excuse me that is one thing when I stopped uh, my you know when I went to streaming only I was like wait how do I watch Christmas yeah. movies and it is harder. It is much harder. There are um, – so I haven't watched as many in the last few years. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, just because there's a man in the household who probably wouldn't enjoy the Christmas movies as much as I do. Yeah. And we don't <laughs> tend to watch things separately. Like, I don't watch much TV. So when I'm sitting down to watch something, it's usually with Jeremy. But that was something when I first cut cable. And I thought – not immediately, but at some point after cutting cable, I thought, wait, wait. There's no, I I just assumed you could have an app or something for the Hallmark Channel or Lifetime or whatever the different channels are that uh, would have just all Christmas movies. And they, they don't, they make it harder. They actually, yeah, so, um, so I've, I have caught back, but Netflix has some now. Um, Amazon Prime has some. It's so fascinating how it's become just a, like a, a thing in the world yeah. that that everyone is into this and i don't know if it speaks to our general malaise otherwise mm-hmm. where we're we're just so uh down in the dumps the rest of right, the time yeah. that we need these kinds of of very sweet pick-me-ups yeah. but it's it's been a really fascinating development over the past couple of years yeah. that, that everyone is on board with these so it's it's you know they used to be so look down yeah. and now everyone's excited about the the new roster yeah. of, of Christmas movies coming out every year. Well, especially so. 2020. We deserve some yeah, for sure. happy lightness. So, Right. All right. Well, I, bo- I know we both have busy days today, so I think we should probably go <laughs> ahead and get started talking about what our books are. Yeah. Okay. So my first one is Right Beside You by Mary Monroe, and she is a prolific author of Black romances and women's fiction, but this is my first time reading her. Um and it's kind of a shame because she has tons of books that sound really fun, but um, I just have never gotten to them yet. So, so this is um, finally crossing over to, to uh, reading more of her. So this book is about a woman named Felicia who rides into work every day with a man named Richard, who is the head of, of the kind of tech support department at the Cleveland company where they both work. And she is the head of workshops and education. So they're both really successful at their jobs, but, um, and have, you know, great family lives, great, great home lives, but they both are um, struggling in romance. And so she is in her late thirties and has never been married. And as someone who uh, has been in my late thirties mm-hmm. and not married, <laughs> I can attest to how much people want to push you yeah, into being married. Right. And um, even though I'm really lucky on that front with my family, they're not, um, they're not pushy. It's, it's other people who are more pushy, but, um, but she's really struggling with her family, constantly talking about how she needs to find a man and have kids and, and how she's uh, unfulfilled from not having this, uh, this, Uh, romantic relationship in her life and Richard is kind of struggling with the same thing but he's a widower who has two teenage daughters and everyone um, 
that he knows is is just really concerned about him being unpartnered and so they both have casually dated other people and they they both i think go to the same church if i remember right but so they they know each other and they know outside of work and they know each other's families and kind of the extended uh church community and so they've they've been um pretty interwoven into each other's lives i think that that felicia actually went to richard's wife's uh uh, funeral and helped out with that so they're they're not strangers to each other at all mm. but they besides this work commute that they see each other every day they don't they're they they do not do things outside of work together but felicia has actually been in love with him for years and richard has been interested but they have never neither of them of them has ever acted on any of it so um, felicia tells her co-worker pam that she has been in love with richard and pam decides that she's going to get them together and so she asks Richard to join the Christmas um, party planning committee that Felicia runs. And he agrees, of course, because he's excited to spend more time with her. But Felicia is mortified because she knows this is a setup. But of course, they're thrown together some more. And even though they've known each other for years and have, um, you know, a pretty solid foundation already of of mutual interests and, and um, uh, uh, mutual acquaintances, uh, and and they also have you know they have these conversations every day on the bus, but they just have not had really deeper conversations. So this gives them that opportunity um, to talk some more. But of course, there have to be misunderstandings because this is of a course, romance. Yes. And <laughs> so because they're dating other people uh, casually, there's a woman that that uh, Richard is is friends with that wants to be more. And so she, there's there's some things that happen with her that kind of throw a wrench in in. Uh, how things progress and there's also this potential transfer to a different uh office for richard that is um possibly going to ruin everything that they are starting to build together so um it's a very sweet romance i don't i don't generally see uh a lot of romances in in my experience at least where there's this much common background Mm -hmm. with the characters um which i really appreciated because that's something that's frustrating to me in romance a lot of the time where they get together really quickly. And so mm-hmm. I liked that this is sort of the person that you uh, have have been interested in for a long time that finally something shifts mm-hmm. or someone that you've never really considered that you've known for a long time because that's been more of my experience and I, I find that really appealing. So um, the, it has a really charming um, backup cast of family and friends. There's uh, Felicia's grandmother is the comic relief of the book and I listened to this in audio and the narration for her was so much fun to listen to um, and really reminded me of, of um, my time in Beaufort and, and some of the the women I knew there at the library. So it was it was a just a really sweet romance. So that is Right Beside You by Mary Monroe. That sounds great. Yeah, I would agree. I I have read it's it's un, it's not as common to find romances where they have a shared history before they get together. It's like there's a lot of love at first sight kind of romances. Right, and I right. do prefer the ones where you feel like there's a base because that's not real life usually that you right. I mean even if there's a spark that you have with somebody right away you're not in love right away you know you're not devoting and pledging your life to each other right after like one meeting right. the way some or or even in a week or you know romances right. often are kind of a short time span just by the nature right. of what they are so I I would love to read that because I like ones where um it's like the friends you know they've been friends for years or they have some sort of history there i like that yeah i will say that there 
there, this one does do some things where I'm like, this does not happen in real yeah. life. That, were, that freaked me out because, but that's just how romances that's just how kind of work. work. Yeah. But, but the, up until that point, I was, I was very, um, like pleasantly surprised about how everything was playing out. So nice. I liked it. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, my first one is Dash and Lily's Book of Dares by Rachel Cohn. And this is actually a TV show right now, which I have not right. watched yet. Um, I think it's on Netflix, but I have several colleagues who uh, who have watched it and they said it's so cute. It's so Christmassy. It's really fun. A really fun TV show to watch. Um, but I loved the book. It takes place in New York at Christmas time, which I have yet to go to New York at Christmas time, but I just feel like it would be so magical because you have all yes. of the lights and Rockefeller Center tree and different stores with their window displays. And I just think it would just be such a magical place to be. But in this one, it's Christmas time and it involves a scavenger hunt, which I have talked before <gasps> about my love of heist novels. And a scavenger hunt to me is very heisty. Uh, it is... A similar kind of feeling. So I knew right away with this book that I was just going to love it. Um, it is, so as it as the title says, it's about Dash and Lily. And Dash is a kind of, a, I don't know if I should say a misanthrope, but kind of like a world-weary <laughs> kind of like seen-it-all, done-it-all kind of guy. He's, he's a teenager, and sometimes teenagers think that, you know, they know everything kind of thing. Um, anyway, so he's in the Strand Bookstore, which is a very famous New York bookstore, and uh, he is checking out his favorite J.D. Salinger novel um, because, of course, he has of his, course of course he he has his favorite J.D. Salinger novel. Um, and he discovers right next to his this novel that there is a red notebook, and so he looks because it's clear that it's. Now, the Strand is a used bookstore; it's both new and used books, so it's not unusual that you would get a book that looks a little bit more. Uh, well loved, uh, but he knows immediately that this is a this is a notebook, not an actual like published book. And so he looks and he sees that there are all these instructions inside to go on a scavenger hunt within the store. So he's intrigued, so he decides to do it, and then he decides to leave some clues of his own for the person who left these clues for him. And so the next thing you know, uh, obviously Lily is the person who has left the red notebook. Dash and Lily are daring each other to do all sorts of crazy things throughout the city of uh, New York at Christmas time. And Lily is pretty much the opposite of Dash. She is very sweet. She loves Christmas. Unironically, you know, she's just like straight up loves it. She wears Christmas sweaters. She likes to bake cookies. Uh, you know, just somebody who's kind of like light and sunshine. And then there's Dash. He's a little bit more uh, dour. Um, but the two of them really tend to bring out the best in each other. And they they do hit it off quite quite a bit. And um, it's just so cute. And it's fun and Christmassy. And it's there's some great side characters that they meet throughout as they, they explore the city and, and discover different aspects of it. Um, so I would... I would recommend the book wholeheartedly. My guess is you could watch the TV show too and be thoroughly entertained right now. That is Dash and Lily's Book of Dares by Rachel Cohn. Uh, it's been on my list forever and I need to get to it. It's just so Especially cute. because I hate watching movies before I read books. And so yeah. it just sounds so perfect because who who listening to this podcast would not love a scavenger right. hunt in a book Exactly, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Uh. A Christmassy scavenger hunt. Oh, in New York. Oh, it just sounds so great. <laughs> okay, are are you? Yes, I'm all uh, done. Yes, thanks. I'm okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you. no that's okay. Uh, so next, I will talk about Sugar and Spice by 
uh, Fern Michaels, Beverly Barton, Joanna, Joanne Fluke, and Shirley Jump. And this one I won't talk tons about because it's four novellas that are put into one um, volume. And so I'm not going to go into every single novella in, in this book, but um, but that's a super common thing for publishers to do to get um, four authors or, or however many authors in their roster and then put together a holiday novella compilation. Um, so often they're they're published as ebooks first and they're kind of like like in the Joanne Fluke uh, case, that's as part of her Hannah Sw- Swenson uh, mystery series, which I was kind of surprised that this ended up being part of a romance um, uh, compilation because she's a, a mystery writer. But I think that because it has like a romantic uh, feel good sort of ending to it, that 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 uh, had gets counted in this as well. But so so publishers will will take uh, authors that are on their their roster and put these in in these ebook only um, like in between. Uh, the regular books in the series, little novellas that come out um, really frequently during the holidays and put them into one book together. So this is this is what that that is. And it's really fun because you get um, you get different types of books or different types of stories depending on on which each author is. Mm-hmm. So the Fern Michaels book is much more of a of a Hallmark um, romance type of book. So that one was I think it's called The Christmas Stocking and it's about a woman who um, goes home to Virginia. She's been living, I think, in Pennsylvania, and she's super successful. And her mother um, asks for her help in pulling off a big Christmas fundraiser for the senior center in in the uh, in this town where she's from. And she and her mother have a really strained relationship, and and she basically doesn't have um, any reason to go other than her mother is desperate. And at the same time. Um, there's a man in California who has also left home for for kind of similar reasons who has a really strained relationship with his father and agrees to go home to help out with the family Christmas tree farm that's that's kind of gone um, to seed and so so they end up in the same location together and both have these these relationships relationships with their parents who have more going on with them than they, um, have let their children know and so so that kind of like heartwarming this is very contrived but mm. but you're kind of on board for it in the moment um kind of story and then the beverly barton was a, a full-on um, romantic suspense mm. story and and so you get that that like it's it's not like reading the same thing over and right. over again when you read these kinds of things so so beverly barton had a a damaged um army ranger who saves a woman from a a car accident and then they're thrown together into a a cabin alone and and it's much much steamier than the fern michaels and so you kind of get something for everyone and then joanne fluke is of course a cozy mystery so it's it's that type of tone so it's it's fun to read these kinds of 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 books and and really helps you if you are um maybe interested in an author or or you and you don't want to take the time to read the entire book or if you just have never heard of someone like I hadn't read any Beverly Barton before and so that was fun to sort of taste that little bit so um so I recommend these they're they're very quick reads they're very easy to dip in and out of um each book was or each story was maybe 100 pages and so it's um it's just very 
light afternoon reading. Mm. So that is Sugar and Spice by Fern Michaels, Beverly Barton, Joanne Fluke, and Shirley Jump. Well, it's funny because my next one is a novella and uh, obviously romance. We're talking about romances. but uh, And I was going to talk a little bit about the fact that what one thing you see, uh, like similar to what you just mentioned, are digital only Christmas themed novellas that come out right. mid they're sort of an interstitial between full length right exactly but between the full length books in a series that um, are a secondary or maybe tertiary character that that has a story that maybe wouldn't be fleshed out into a full length novel right. but enough to you know and, and you see that quite a lot uh, and I'm curious I was as I was thinking about it and as you were talking I think probably more common before ebooks was the sort of book you are talking about where they pull together the multiple it's usually four like you said or sometimes I've seen three or um, but multiple authors into one book but then with ebooks you are able to publish just a single novella for three dollars or whatever it was that people right. could purchase versus I don't think there you'd have a bunch of people running out and buying a hundred dollar or a hundred dollar hundred page um paperback I don't know maybe right. you would but you know you sort of that sense of like getting your money's worth so if it's 400 yeah. page stories that's different than just one but anyway so um right. so it's kind of funny that we both did one like that it's probably good for publishing too for for costs and stuff mm -hmm. if you I mean putting four together versus yes lots of little novellas right I think would make a lot more sense so yeah that's true well and I would also like production costs I also think it helps sort of sate people's appetite for a series so if there's a year between right. each published book but then halfway through the year you're getting this little snippet of a story that involves some of those characters that you've loved right. in other books like I think that's a good way to keep people engaged with whatever right. the series is too so it was always maybe you had the same experience but it was always so interesting at the library when you had someone who was reading through a series and they were asking for your help yeah. to to put holds on the rest of the series and some people are so into i need every single uh installment mm -hmm. in this and then other people were like no i don't want those okay. i i don't even suggest these to me because i don't i don't want to bother with yeah. the, all of these little like like extra right. things well so and it's, I, it was kind of interesting to, to understand their personalities um differently from from whether they wanted those or not yeah and it's I would be curious now so it's been three years since I've been in the library so I'd be curious now but I know there was a time where I would have um I had just a handful of patrons who read a lot of romances but they would come in and they would have written down a list that they'd found on Goodreads say or right. someplace where they were able to see these middle not middle books but you know the the novellas and they would come in and ask for them we didn't have access to them at the time and right. I, my guess is now with things like overdrive you you would but we didn't have overdrive at our library at that time I, they may now um and so we couldn't get those books if it was a new release sometimes if it was an older release we could but um anyway so i'd be curious it was at that time i remember trying to you know, I felt bad. I'd have to explain, oh, I'm sorry, this is an ebook only and we don't have right. access to, to that book, uh, which what they didn't know from Goodreads or wherever, right. or that they were reading yeah. it in a flap copy of a, 
of another book in the series. Anyway, I'd just be curious if that has changed since then, uh, with especially after the pandemic. So many libraries, I think, have shifted their spending towards more digital copies of things versus physical copies of things to help people, you know, when they're not visiting the library. So I'd be curious if that's changed at all. Anyway, okay, so my book is called The Lady in Red by Kelly Bowen. And in this case, it is um, number three and a half in in a series. (laughs) Uh, It's the season for Scandal series. And what's funny about this is I don't remember it being about Christmas, but there's a Christmas tree on the cover. So I sense (laughs) that it probably does have something about Christmas, but I do, if I'm remembering Right. There is a scene in front where a pretty steamy scene that happens in front of a roaring fire. So I do think it takes place in the winter, but I don't I don't remember anything Christmassy about it. But anyway, but that's not, you know, that was fair in our topic. We weren't doing just Christmas ones. So, yeah, but there might be because there's a Christmas tree on the cover. So uh, this is about a woman named Lady Charlotte Beaumont. Uh, She has spent her whole. So this is a a historical romance, I should say. Uh, She has spent. She spent her whole life being ignored by the people around her, her family members, even the servants in her household. Everybody just kind of ignores her. And she's pretty much okay with that. Uh, She just keeps her head down and does her own thing. She feels like being ignored allows her to explore her passion, which is for painting. And at the time, painting was considered a fine hobby for ladies of nice families or you know rich families basically uh, but things like painting pretty watercolors or something you dabbled you didn't just wholeheartedly you know devote yourself to a passion and she actually is a very talented painter and has a real skill for reproducing uh other paintings in in exquisite detail. And it's her dream to attend uh, the Royal Academy, but the Royal Academy doesn't accept women. So she just has sort of resigned herself to her lot in life that she's just going to have to do this kind of in secret and just for um, her own well-being mentally, basically, that she's just going to, it's because she enjoys it, she's going to do it. But she really does feel a bit stifled, like she wishes she could do this. And everybody would recognize how how good she is at it and that she could learn. So through a connection that she has, which is actually one of the characters in the other book, um, (laughs) she gets a commission to paint uh, what is basically her dream painting. Uh, But the only catch is she has to pretend to be a man. Um, And she's like, no problem. I could pretend to be a man. I just want to go and paint this, this commission. And when she shows up, there's another man there who has also been commissioned to do this work. And he has lost a bit of his creative spark um, and that really has propelled him forward for years and he's feeling just a bit adrift. Um, and Charlotte, now being called Charlie in her disguise, helps him bring back this passion and inspiration that he used to have for painting as they work together. They get to know each other. One of the things I liked about this is even though it's a novella, it's not a full-length novel, you do feel like their relationship develops organically. They get to know each other. They're, they're working side by side every day. And when you're working with somebody, as I'm sure we've all experienced, you do tend to get to know them pretty well because you're mm-hmm. talking and, you know, chit-chatting. You just get to know their habits and things like that. And so I did feel like it really built well. And even though there's a mutual attraction there, uh, there's a nice basis for, for then when they do give in to their passions. And when, and when the reveal that Charlie is actually Charlotte 
Um, and Flynn's like, oh, great, because I didn't, I'm not attracted to men, but for some reason I was attracted to this guy. That's how it always happens. I know. Uh, but, and then, and actually it's interesting because the bigger thing is there's something I won't spoil, but there's a something in Flynn's past that makes him not like the aristocracy at all. So actually it's a bigger thing when she reveals that she is from a well-to-do family than the fact that she's a woman disguised as a man. So that's kind of an interesting little twist too. You would think it would be uh, that, she, you know, she was disguised as a, as a man, but no, it's, it's more about her family and her background. And I love, this is a very common trope in romance. It's a fake identity, love in disguise kind of thing. Uh, but the reveal is always so fun. I actually just read, I'm going to just mention another book, which might end up in my year-end favorite, so I'm not going to say too much about it, but it's called The Duke Who Didn't by Courtney Milan. And it is so much fun. It is a, it is a love in disguise kind of story, but there's a great twist to it that, that I thought was really, really fun. I just read it about a week ago. And so this is on my mind as I was thinking about winter romances, this, this fake identity trope and how when it's done well, it's just such a pleasure to read. Anyway, so this book, uh, The Lady in Red by Kelly Bowen, is just a really sweet, steamy, fun entry into the series. And I really recommend, I'm pretty sure I've talked about Kelly Bowen before, uh, but it's been a little while. And I would say if you have read a historical romance by uh, Sarah McLean or Tessa Dare and enjoyed them, I think you would really like Kelly Bowen. She has a very similar um, quality to her stories and her writing. And I think she's a little bit less well-known. I would love to see her be mm -hmm. more well-known well because um, I think she's great. She was the one that you you read one book and then had to read all yes. of them because you liked it so much. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. Yes. All right. What's your last one? Um, my last book is Fresh Tracks by Georgia Beers. And this is a lesbian romance from um, a publisher called Bold Strokes Books. And I work with them constantly at work. Like they publish really, really prolifically. And I'd never read one. And I, I am admitting that I kind of dismissed them because... I'm still, I guess, of the of the the old school way of thinking that that smaller publishers are are not as interesting to me as as the majors, and that is definitely a mistake on my part. And I am publicly um, saying how wrong that that thinking is because this was really good. It was really solid writing. Um, it's better than a lot of mainstream. Um, publishing romances that I've read and it was just kind of really fun to, to see like oh this is you need to change your way of thinking about about small publishers because I was really pleasantly surprised by this um so the the um it's kind of hard to explain because there are lots of characters so the the premise of this is that a married couple named Amy and Joe um which I've just realized are our little women characters yeah. and that's kind of creepy <laughs> um they've been together for 15 years and and have um have a really solid relationship and are, are just as in love as the day that they got married and they um decide to invite a group of their friends to an after Christmas retreat at their cabin in upstate New York and so everyone that they invite lives in New York City and they just see this as a great opportunity to get away after having spent Christmas with their families which sometimes can can be a, more of a fraught relationship and um be together with their chosen family and have just a very relaxed week together after the bustle of the holidays and so um so they go up to kind of get the cabin ready and um they this is why it's it's 
kind of hard to explain because there's lots of characters that are on their way that each have their own problems and I don't want to you know mm. get into every single thing but um they're expecting to have this very relaxed week and and that's the the whole purpose for the trip but everyone is sort of bringing their baggage that they're trying to deal with um that they maybe have not shared with everyone else in the group and they're they're trying to um they're they're trying to run away with the, from these problems but they end up bringing them with them because they're they're struggling with them and so um Amy's best friend Molly is is uh supposed to be going up to the cabin with her wife uh I think her name is Kristen and Kristen has just become completely work obsessed and cancels at the last minute and says she'll meet her up um a day later and then keeps pushing it back until um uh, uh further further nights into the trip and um, and how how painful this is for Molly and how she's supposed to be going up to this this cabin and having a great time. But instead, she's just all she can think about is her marriage is falling apart and how painful that is and how she needs to hide this from the people that she loves. And um, and so there are other characters who are dealing with their own issues and kind of in the middle of it, um, Joe's niece, Darby sort of just arrives she and she's much younger than the rest of the group i think everyone else is supposed to be kind of in their late 30s or 40s um and darby is in her mid-20s and is just out of college and she decides that she wants to get away from the uh the sort of fling that she had over christmas and this this woman keeps texting her and and trying to get in contact with her through her friends and she decides that the only way she can get away with with or get away from this and sort of um, ghost this woman is to go up to this cabin where she doesn't have an invite, but she has been told that she can go up anytime and it's no problem. But because of this other party going on, it sort of is a little bit more complicated than that. And so she arrives and she just has a very different uh, attitude than the rest of these women because she's younger and has, um, she's more in her like very casual dating Mm -hmm. portion of her life. And so she, is um kind of a uh what's the word i want like like everyone else has their established relationships and she's definitely throwing a wrench in those because suddenly they're reminded of these younger days that they used to have that were a little bit more more exciting and more um more liberated and so um so it's it's interesting how this all plays out and how how all of these different types of of relationships and different um ages interact with each other so i was i was so surprised by this i i wanted a book that was um not christmas themed and it is a little bit hard sometimes to find those Mm -hmm. when you're you're searching um in a library catalog (laughs) and so i was really happy that i came upon this and um and i'm i'm again wrong for dismissing small publishers yeah that's that oh sorry go ahead Oh, I was just going to say that's Fresh Tracks by jo- Georgia Beers. Yeah, I um through my committee that I'm on that I've mentioned more than a few times, I, I have been exposed to some smaller publishers, which I'm so thankful for the people on my committee who seek them out because I, uh, I don't, I just, they're not the first places that come to mind when I'm looking for suggestions for books for myself or for other people. Right. And I really have, I was just looking actually as you were, as you were talking at Bold Strokes Books website, and they published Melissa Braden, I believe is her last name, who I have not read her yet, but she she had a book a few years ago that I remember everybody raving about. And so she's one I want to try. And I didn't realize she was published by Bold Strokes. Yeah. Bold Strokes. Well, and it's, it's also ridiculous that 
because these are LGBT plus mm. books, then they they are not up until very recently, like the last five years recently, those were so rarely published mm-hmm. in mainstream publishing. And so thank goodness there are other mm-hmm. ways that that um, these books have been have, have had their own yeah. community and have had their own their own means of of finding their audience mm-hmm. and um in the introduction to this book or the acknowledgments i guess um uh georgia beers thanks um the the publisher and says how grateful she is to have that community and um there's an author named radcliffe who i mm-hmm. is also really pro- prolific um who i guess i hadn't realized she started the the she started this um this publishing company and so it just made me really happy that that people can find their their community and say we're going to make this thing this the space for us right. even if the you know mainstream publishing doesn't right. doesn't get on board or until now yeah and they, <laughs> now I, it's I definitely have to changing give a, you know a little bit of credit where credit is due i do know that avon is now publishing they they used to have a different like digital only imprint or something like that right. and they are now publishing in mass market paperback um same sex romances and so yeah and and you know i think they're the doors are opening just as for sure we've talked about lots of ways about diversity and publishing there i think that it's a slow process but i do think that it is changing um for the better so yeah all right so my last book is not what i was originally planning on talking about (laughs) because here's what happened Anne. i have (laughs) i love a story that starts that way (laughs) i have 33 books I need to read between <gasps> now and mid-January. Okay. And I decided... That's not as terrifying as I thought. I thought you were going to say Christmas, and I got so scared for you. No, 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 no. No. Uh, although I do think I had like 30 books to read in November, during the month of November, which was kind of rough. But, uh, yeah. but anyway, so I have 33 books, which is totally manageable for me. Two months, basically, worth of reading. Uh, yeah. I can... I can pretty easily do that that number christmas throws a little bit of wrench in things because i want to do things like bake cookies and watch hallmark movies instead of reading but still it's it's totally manageable however instead of reading any of those 33 books i decided that i wanted to read a christmas romance (laughs) so two nights ago as i was getting into bed i thought i had my sci-fi novel i was about to read and i was like no i'm not gonna read that i'm gonna read something else there's that's your answer too, because it was sci-fi, and so of course you're all. I know. I'm going to. Well, but I. Find I, I mean, else. there are other romances I I do need to. I mean, I have books that I know that I will love on my list of thirty-three. Yeah. It's just that's not what I felt. All I wanted to read was a Christmas romance, so I am. So it is called In a Holidays <laughs> by Christina Lauren. I love Christina Lauren. I've talked about them before. It, that that name is actually a pseudonym for two authors. They write such fun romantic comedies. I actually think they've written one, at least one more relationship fiction kind of book. It's less of a romance, but I haven't read that yet. So all I've read from them are romantic comedies. And they, it's just fun. They're light. They're funny. They have great characters. They 
they have different stories for his, they churn out books. I swear. It's almost like James Patterson level of publishing. They, every few months they have a new book out. And from what I've read, I've not read all of their books, but the ones I've read, I never feel like they're telling the same story twice. It's always a new, unique take on something. And so I just, I just love their books. And, uh, This one is just perfect for Christmas. It starts out where the main character's name is Malin. Malin wakes up after a night of too much eggnog, regretting that she made out with one of her family friends' sons. So they're they're these two families who've been friends for years and years and years, and they're these they're all in their twenties. The Malin and these guys that are part of the other family and they've been friends since they were little kids and Malin has always had a crush on one of these brothers but that's not the one she made out with she made out with the younger (laughs) brother who's kind of a just not her type really he's very attractive but he's not really her type and so she's just like what happened why why did this happen why did we fool around in the mudroom and Christmas is over at this point. They're all getting ready to leave. It's their last, it was their last night. So again, they were just kind of hanging out and celebrating. They're all getting ready to, to go their separate ways. And before everybody leaves, the people who own this cabin where they are staying make an announcement that the cabin has become too expensive and they're going to have to sell it. And Malin is devastated. This is where these families gather every single Christmas. She looks forward to it all year all year long, she sort of goes through the scenarios in her head about, well, if the cabin is sold, none of our other options of where to get together would really work for this big of a group. And so it's just, she feels like this is the end of an era. And her parents, it's, this is, it was an interesting, I'm not that far into it, but this is, I think, I thought part of the reason why I like these Christina Lauren books so much is because they do things like this. So her parents are there together, but they're actually divorced and they just come back together every year for this Christmas celebration because it's so important to everybody. So that right there shows you the, the meaning, right? For all of these people that they gather every year that people who aren't married anymore still choose to come and be together uh, with this chosen family, basically. Mm-hmm. This announcement is made. Malin is devastated. And as her parents and her brother and she get in the car to drive to the airport to go back home, she's just kind of thinking over and over, how is this ever going to be the same again? She has a job she doesn't really love. And so she just feels like, Life is kind of terrible in that moment. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a truck carrying Christmas trees crashes into their car. And Malin has this moment of thinking, oh, my gosh, like, we are in this serious car. Like, she recognizes that this serious car accident is happening. And then she kind of blanks out. And when she wakes up, she is sitting on an airplane next to her brother. And it becomes very quickly apparent through conversation with her brother, that they're on their way to the cabin to celebrate Christmas. It is yeah. now six days before, and they're, May is, Mayla is about to relive the whole week again. And so it's like Groundhog Day. So she yeah. has a chance to make things right, uh, not make out with the brother that she, she doesn't really like, go after the brother she truly, oops, go after the brother she truly does like, try to save the cabin. You know, she all of a sudden she has this 
new opportunity to do everything that she had wanted to do on the original trip. So that's as far as I am. I don't know if there are multiple repeats of this same week, like the way there are in Groundhog Day, or if it's just the one reset. But it's funny. It's heartwarming. There's great banter in it. Christina Lauren, they're really good at doing great banter. Uh, and the side characters are always great and well fleshed out. So I'm enjoying it. It's I think it's just the perfect book for my mood right now. And that's In a Holiday's by Christina Lauren. That sounds so fun. I want to read it right now. Exactly. This is why I'm reading it right now. <laughs> I couldn't not read it. All right. Well, we will be right back with what else we are reading this week. Anne, what are you reading this week? This week I'm reading Red and Gone by uh, Alison Brooke. And this might be it has to be Christmas related. It's kind of the same situation as the Kelly Bowen where I, I haven't hit anything Christmassy mm-hmm. yet, but it's, um, or at least I don't remember. I hope I didn't <laughs> blank out on that. Um, sometimes on when I'm listening to a book and they're, they say like kind of introductory information, I, I don't ingest it in the same way. And so maybe this is all set at Christmas and I just didn't pay attention. But um, anyway, there's a Christmas tree on the cover. So I'm assuming it's Christmas, (laughs) which is why I'm reading it right now. Um, So this is the second book in a series about, um, I think she's an an actual librarian, but I don't remember for sure. Um, But her name is is Carrie Singleton. And she lives in a town called Clover Ridge, Connecticut, which is very uh, Stars Hollow-esque and and, um, picturesque. And there's a strong family presence for her there. um, And this is this is kind of stuff that happens in the first book, but she goes to visit, um, she goes to Clover Ridge to visit her aunt and uncle um, for a few weeks or months. I, I can't remember now, but but um, is about to leave. And she's somehow offered the head of programming and events at the local library. So I'm really hoping that she's an actual librarian and that she wasn't mm-hmm. just randomly, you know, checking out books and offered this job but um it's been too long since i've read the first book so i can't remember the circumstances but she accepts the job and she struggles um from the beginning to get along with uh, another librarian there who didn't want her to get the job but for some reason carrie can see the ghost of that librarian's aunt evelyn who was a former library clerk and she is just this kind of light ghostly presence in in this book this isn't like a full-on paranormal cozy mystery it's it's just she sort of pops in in and out just a little bit um and so aunt Evelyn assists carrie in her investigations and no one else can see her and so it's just this this kind of fun um motherly presence in her life so in this book um after everything that happened in the first one she is really settled into clover ridge and she has a great group of friends from the library and her her family is there and so she's she's just really happy with things and so it starts out at her 30th birthday uh slash housewarming party that she's she's uh hosting and and she has everyone there that has kind of been in the last book and and it's this nice um culmination of of seeing her sort of out of her element for a while and now she's really settled into this town and she's sort of reflecting about how great her life has become and um at the end of the night she sees her boyfriend dylan out the door and she goes to bed and so several hours later her um cat smoky joe who is also the library cat that she she brings home every night um he wakes her up at 3 a.m because there's a noise and she sees that there's a silhouette of a man in the doorway and somehow she doesn't completely lose her mind the way i would or you know other 
fearful people would. And she uh, realizes that it's her long lost father and his name is Jim. And he has been um, kind of an occasional presence in her life. And he has come in and out as needed. And he is a small time crook and, and swindler and eventually went to jail. And she was really ashamed of, of this fact. And, and she actually didn't even know that she, that he had gone to jail. He just, stopped being in her life and her mom sort of dismissed it and and um didn't say much about it and she found out through a friend as a a kid that he was in jail and that that just really upset her and really um has made her resentful of him and his um the moments that he decides to pop up in her life so he immediately kind of pretends that he is there for her birthday but he actually wants help to retrieve some stolen jewels from the the local town jeweler named Bar- named uh, Benton Parr and this man is also a member of the library board and so it turns out that he and Jim had pulled off a heist together and that the jewels were part of that heist and there were seven million dollars and Benton cheated Jim out of his half and so Jim wants Carrie's help to identify these jewels at an upcoming program that she's she's hosting with Benton um so she refuses of course and she kicks him out and then a few days later she has the program with Benton and he's kind of acting weird and and doesn't want her to take photographs at the program and, and kind of odd stuff like that and then he later turns up dead oh Yes. And so her her dad ends up in jail because of this. And so someone else out there knew about this heist. And um, so Carrie is trying to figure out what what happened and find these jewels. But her boyfriend, Dylan, who uh, works in insurance, is also trying to find them. And so um, through some things that the blurb tells me that I haven't actually gotten to in the book yet, uh, Carrie realizes the jewels might be in the library itself. So that's a good tie-in. So this is a, a fun, cozy series, especially for for you know librarians <laughs> and library lovers. And it's fun because it's weirdly accurate about how libraries actually work, which you almost never see in cozy mysteries. They're they're usually like so off the wall on how libraries actually function that it's it's laughable um this one does somehow have a massive staff of professional degree librarians for a small town library which i did laugh a lot at i will confess um but it it really gets the structure right of how how different um people have these different positions and the way the library board affects things and and it was just kind of refreshing to see that so if you're if you're interested in how libraries function behind the scenes then this might be fun um to sort of get an insight into that um and it also was fun to i used to be a programmer myself and so it was fun to sort of revisit the good parts of that um i know that you didn't enjoy programming um hallie and so uh, there are definitely downsides to programming, but but this sort of reminded me of the fun like interactions you have with with the community and and people that come in that have this expertise that you couldn't teach yourself and and um, and so yeah, it's it's a little nostalgic for mm-hmm. me, but also just fun to have this this little bit of a heist kind of mystery that's that's running through it. So that is called Red and Gone by Allison Brooke. Some of the programming I didn't mind. My thing with programming was it was so hard to know what was going to get people to actually right. come to programs. I found that to be frustrating. But Right, and you you do something yeah. one day that, that gets a huge yeah. crowd, and you do the exact same thing a different day, yeah. and no one shows yeah. up. Yeah. So. Agreed. All right, so I've already talked about what I am reading, so I thought I would talk about a, an audiobook that I just finished. 
Um, it is called Graceful Burdens by Roxanne Gay. And this is a short story, very short story. It's, my guess is about 20 pages because it oh, is wow. only it was only 45 minutes to listen to. Um, but I'm always interested in what Roxanne Gay does and what she writes. She has uh, just an interesting worldview that I find fascinating to read what she writes. And she's a great writer. Um, yeah. So in this book the government or this short story the government genetically profiles people to determine whether or not they are allowed to have children basically so if you are deemed acceptable you can have children and if you're deemed unacceptable you are not allowed to have children and hadley is the main character she has been deemed unacceptable and her only recourse to the fact that she has been deemed unacceptable is that she can visit the library where they lend out babies and she can borrow a baby for two weeks and she can get a short taste of motherhood for that two weeks she takes care of the baby and everything and then at the end of two weeks she has to bring it back to the library uh, but borrowing the baby open so basically the whole story is it starts with Hadley showing up at the library, and that's the whole story is her taking this baby. Um, and basically her whole life's path changes once she checks out the baby, <laughs> which sounds weird. That's um, so when, <laughs> when she borrows the baby um, because she starts questioning why the government does this and do they have the authority to say who can and cannot bear children and oh hey where did these babies that are at the library come from who is giving up their babies why are there available babies at the library so just it's all of a sudden you know she's lived this life where she's just kind of followed the rules and then now having this baby in her life opens up her mind to what the possibilities are so it's very compact there is not a word wasted as you imagine in such a, a short 45 minute sip of a book but it was lots of interesting ideas in such a short amount of time um great commentary about government involvement in things that you kind of scratch your head about why they are involved in um, and it is narrated by samira wiley who i don't know if you know who she is but she is an actress she was on i know her from orange is the new black but i think she's been in oh she was in the handmaid's tale too i believe um oh, okay. and she's a lovely lovely voice to listen to so i uh, i thought it was great again it was just basically while i was folding laundry yesterday i listened to this this 45 minute uh short story it's called graceful burdens by roxanne gay Oh, I want to get to that right now. That sounds really My guess good. is it's an Audible exclusive. Um, That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I had access to it in a different way, but I think it's probably an Audible exclusive. Yeah. All right, <laughs> Anne, what, did you, what books did you talk about today? I talked about Right Beside You by Mary Monroe, Sugar and Spice by Fern Michaels, Beverly Barton, Joanne Fluke, and Shirley Jump, Fresh Tracks by Georgia Beers, and what I'm reading this week is Red and Gone by Allison Brooke. And I talked about Dash and Lily's Book of Dares by Rachel Cohn, The Lady in Red by Kelly Bowen, In a Holidays by Christina Lauren, and what I listened to this week was Graceful Burdens by Roxanne Gay. If you'd like to get in touch with us to give us a feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us uh, wherever you are getting your podcast because it really helps people find the show. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where Anne lists off all of the books we talk about in every episode as well as if we've talked about various other things. She does a great job of, of linking to them. Um, thank you all for listening. Happy reading. Happy holiday season if you celebrate holidays. And we will be back. Our next episode will be 
and my correct Anne, our favorite yes. books of the year, which is my Yay, favorite episode of the whole year. Favorite. Yep, so fun. So we'll meet you back here to talk about our favorite books. Bye.